0: This is RangerCast, Episode 2, The Past, Present, and Future of Power Rangers Comics. This is RangerCast. As always, I'm Tyler, better known as Rito Volto, and I am joined by...
1: I'm Tori. And I'm Lamar.
0: All right, all right. Well, uh, thanks for uh, coming back for another episode of RangerCast. I hope we didn't scare y'all listeners away uh, with the first one. Got some housekeeping to take care of first. Uh, You might notice our website looks a little different again. Um, We moved to a new uh, web provider that'll allow us to take voicemails and do all these other... Really cool things that we're uh, really excited about. And also, there's a note from me uh, in a blog post on the website. I've been asked, you know, here and there, you know, what is going to happen with the old episodes. We did a lot of old episodes. And even if I have them, which I mostly don't, they aren't coming back. And uh, definitely go uh, on our website and check out the posts for me as to why. Basically, there there were jokes made, and there were things said that there are people who aren't too proud of them, and after introspe- introspection, uh, after some introspection and discussions with these people, I've uh, decided that we're not really doing anything of that content, even if it does turn up. Um, and also, Power Morphicon is next week. That is not a business trip for me. You will not see uh, convention reports uh, like the old days, uh, I'm just there for fun. You might see pictures. I don't know. Um, but after the con, we will have um, a good friend of mine and former Rangercast co-host, um, Mike Manos, uh, Renegade Pancake on Ranger Board. He will be uh, joining us to uh, help talk about the con, just so it's not just me telling you know my co-hosts about my vacation. And uh, but we'll you'll, more about Paramorphicon later on the show. Uh, all right, now on to Ranger News. Power Week is coming up. This is uh, this is a bit new. This is different for, for Hasbro. Um, starting, actually, August 22nd, which is, as we record this, Monday, tomorrow. It's a seven-day celebration of all things Power Rangers, coincidentally overlapping with Power Morphicon. We're going to get all kinds of news about toys, entertainment, products, publishing, gaming, yada, yada, yada. Uh, maybe some new Lightning Collection. Um... And hopefully it's something that fans haven't already sussed out yet. Uh, Have you guys looked into any of this?
1: Uh, So I've been seeing uh, that there's a lot of talk about new um, Lightning Collection figures. I've been really keeping an eye on a lot of it. Um, The two that seem to be kind of at the the front of the announcement are the Black Mighty Morphin Ranger. So this will be the third, Mm -hmm. no, sorry, the fourth time that they've released that figure and uh Lost Galaxy Green. Mm-hmm. Lost Galaxy Green, I think, looks absolutely fantastic. They actually also did a good job with the face sculpt, which that's really hit or miss with them. The Black Mighty Morphin, I don't really know why we need another one, especially when I know I've seen a lot of people clamoring for either more of the Red Ranger or the Blue Ranger trying to find those ones. So, mm. yeah,
2: yeah, I had the same confusion on the re-release of the Black Ranger. Like, the only real difference I see is one prop from the show that they're giving to Adam, even though it was used during Zack's time on the series. Um, and what confused me further, though, is that like we have variants on the Mighty Morphin Rangers that haven't universally been used yet. Like, there was that cel-shaded pink ranger that they came out with a while ago, and like I thought the art on that looked pretty cool. Wouldn't mind a team of those. Or, like, if we really want to do something cool, how about, like, a Mastodon Guard figure, similar to what we got with the Red Sentinel Ranger in one of the last waves?
0: Yeah. Amen. what? Yeah. Uh, what do you, uh, I mean, on top, I guess the thing that Hasbro does actually often, if I can go back a bit, is, you know, once they, have, once they have a mold of something, they, you know, run that thing into the ground. Um, like, they'll do Ninja, or then they'll do NinjaCon. If, you know, they can just like iterate on the same mold over and over and over that makes it cheaper for them because that's less time spent, you know, molding, tooling, etc. Well, what other uh, what other things would you like to see out of uh, out of Power Week besides, you know, a couple lightning collection announcements?
2: Uh, I really want to see something uh, I want to see an announcement related to the tabletop game. Uh, I don't feel like we've gotten much in that regard. Like we have the core book, and I think now one adventure module. But uh, as a player of that system, it's a very flawed system, and the base book didn't even have rules for how to create your own villains or anything. So it's been pretty underserved in the tabletop community, even other, even among Hasbro's other tabletop games. So yeah, any love or attention for that, I'd appreciate.
1: Yeah. And what I'm looking for is hopefully something aimed at the older demographic. I know they've spoken about doing an yeah. animated series that's aimed for the older. It feels like that's been kind of whispered and then nothing. I'd like something official.
0: <laughs> yeah, it seems like uh, like there have been a lot of like moves behind the scenes, like we talked about last time, uh, in terms of Jonathan Whistle setting up the future of the franchise. Uh, Simon Bennett hinted on twitter that he knows something uh, that, that there might be an announcement So maybe he's just you know wishful thinking like the rest of us because we don't know you know whether or if how he'll be involved uh in the show going forward where it'll film whatever um but renegade is a sponsor of power Morphicon, so maybe we will hear something there we don't know the full schedule yet um but hopefully in the coming days we will get that information There is some other toy news that you will not see a link to in our show notes uh, because we do not endorse it. We do not support (laughs) it. It is um, Funko is releasing digital pop collections for properties now including Power Rangers uh, that include NFTs, which we do not support. We do not endorse. Hasbro pulled this stuff with the Megazord and it is... It's it, terrible for the environment, terrible for the, terrible for everybody, and uh, they are offering a total of four hundred fifty thousand Power Rangers NFTs, uh, including Green Ranger, Scorpina, Zoran, yada yada yada. Look, if you want to sell as a toy, sell the toy.
1: Yeah, no, uh, I still don't even fully understand NFTs. Um, I, I get the impression that it's like a digital picture that you claim ownership for but that doesn't
0: really i don't know it's just it's weird it's uh a money grabbing move just yeah it's anti-consumer and though the moment you start talking about slurp juices or whatever my eyes roll like all the way back to my skull
2: yeah i'm uh, on my end uh i'm also in the camp of not having getting the full grasp of nfts beyond it's like Bitcoin, but even dumber, but also built on what could actually be super useful technology, if not dedicated toward monkey pictures that rich people want for social clout. But I don't get why companies are still pushing this out when anytime there's any kind of announcement, everyone on Twitter is making jokes about this. Like, it's already a joke. Like, this is GameStop stocks, but... (laughs) They keep trying the same thing, but uh, I don't see anyone like grabbing for this. I don't think this is going to make hardly anyone go for this m- new uh Funko, and especially when you said they made like 450,000 of these. Like, I Something
0: don't like that. It, it's uh, yeah, 450,000 exactly. Both pack types is either a standard pack or a premium pack. I don't know the difference, I don't care to know the difference. Both pack types will be limited to 22,500 pieces.
2: Yeah, like, I don't think there's enough Ranger fans for that to yeah. ever become worth anything.
0: Like, each pack could have one of six rare digital pops we can redeem for a limited edition physical pop figure uh, for no cost. Why they can't just sell these at Topic like any other? <laughs> whatever. I, I don't care. But we had to I'll talk up. about it. Um... The other uh, news item, and, and I'm you know kind of jumping around thing to thing here, um, Power Morphicon is in just a few days, as we uh, said at the top. Uh, they announced some more exclusives, Icon Heroes pins and mouse pads, and uh, some gear branded with the uh, 90s style, like, plastic cup, whatever, Power, Power Morphicon logo. Some guest can- cancellations, including Samuel Benta, too bad, so sad. And Johnny Young Bosch, uh, who was canceled before he even announced, um he uh he got a nasty car wreck and has some um some conflicts uh with something he's filming so he is unable to attend but there are some good additions to um and one questionable addition to the guest roster uh good being in Chiplin, Iris Hampton, Anna Hutchinson, Kelson Henderson who's always great uh Aaron Cahill, Hector David, Lee Minghu and questionable in um jenna frank who is uh thanks to nepotism uh going to be in legend of the white dragon which is set to uh uh release to fans around the same time as the order so never i i mean that's my guess um there's also in terms of exclusives going to be a legend of the white dragon exclusive action figure which looks like it's you know bootleg Power Rangers figure you'd find at a rundown convenience store somewhere it it looks whack.
1: Well, at least they're putting in the effort, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, putting the effort on uh, on action figures, like the Order putting the effort on a comic book.
1: Gosh, I didn't even realize they had done that.
0: Yeah, yeah, it, it's, it's a mess. And, uh, you know, just another reminder for fans, you know, just because you like somebody from a show doesn't mean they can deliver on something they promise you. Yeah. Um, pay
1: for what's actually worth it. Don't let your money just be taken from you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, but speaking of money being taken from you, uh, we're getting a sense of what, um, what some of the autograph prices will be, um, looking around like $35 for non-attending members who want an autograph sent to them with their stuff. So that's kind of instructive. Uh, for um, for how much autographs will be at the con? They have a page on um, on celeb works. Uh, for example, I mean, thirty five dollars on low end. But if you want like Toshihide Wakamatsu to sign an eight by ten, that's seventy bucks. Um, or Ryota Ozawa, we were talking about how uh, how much it costs to get to the front of his line. Like his autographs run at least one hundred twenty. So it's uh, you know it's supply and demand, folks. I mean, I've seen. Uh, pretty high prices. Now,
1: those are generally at smaller cons, so I understand why you need to do kind of the trade-off. But, I mean, $35 to... It, part of the cost of getting that autograph is getting to spend a minute or two of your time with this person. If you don't yeah. even get that, 35 is a lot.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you have to factor in, I don't know, maybe the... The cost of mailing, I'm not sure you know what, like how, much, how much more it costs to mail these things or what, or how much is being taken off the top by either this platform, CelebWorks, or by the con. Uh, so, you know, we don't really know like, how, like how much of a premium is being charged for these as opposed to the autographs at the con. I know from experience, like Kelson Henderson, for example, he wasn't charging 50 bucks at his table. I can tell you that. Um, it's the one that's in front of me right now. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited uh, to see all my friends there. Uh, it's been way too long, and I just hope that a lot of the organizational issues that we had issues with um, at the last one are all are all solved, all squared away. Uh, now in other news, also dealing in terms of licensed uh there's an expansion coming for the deck building game, uh, All RPM so it's really exciting to see rpm get some love uh this the summary reads as follows the vengeance computer virus has built armies of robots to take over the world the only thing that stands the way are the ranger operators faster than ever gameplay includes new strategies such as building up rpm to penetrate your foes defenses or drain their energy to leave them weakened you uh, need to have the game the deck building game core set or the uh, Zeo set in order to play it includes over 75 new cards and it's designed for two to four play- players uh, to enjoy in 30 to 70 minutes. I have not played the deck building game full disclosure.
2: I've not played it myself either. Uh, I am excited though to see, yeah, like you RPM getting some representation in the merch, especially when like we still, I don't believe have seen a single lightning collection figure with them. Um, uh, So I think this is probably their easiest way of doing it for relatively cheap. Um, And uh, frankly, I'm all about having these uh, box-based deck-building games. Like, well, I haven't shelled out the money for this because I don't have enough uh, people around me that would want to play a Power Rangers deck-building game. Uh, Like, I'm much more happy with something like this than them trying to get their own trading card game going instead.
1: Absolutely, and it's good to see RPM getting some love, because that one's very popular with the more adult fans, but the younger generation, the major cash cows, they're not as familiar.
0: Yeah, yeah, and the uh, deck building uh, expansion actually uh, hits in September. Uh, The date is not listed on the solicitation, which went out to retailers, but I... You know, I guess the problem for me is I don't have anybody to play with. like my girlfriend's on to power Rangers. Um, you know, supports me all that, but I'm not sure if she's interested in uh, in getting into uh, the deck building game. I have the um uh, the tabletop game um, and I have not played with anybody because I got it right before the world ended. Um, so yeah, that's not gonna happen. Also, this I kind of uh, glossed over in our sh- from our show notes. Uh, we don't know when the next batch, the last batch of uh, Dino Fury hits, but there are some early uh, episode titles and descriptions uh, for episodes 14, 15 of season 2. Now, if you, you don't want to be spoiled, I guess fast forward a couple of minutes, and uh, we're going to get into this as soon as I'm sure you have uh, switched forward, gone ahead yada 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 spoils incoming rafcon revealed is episode 14. the ranger teens head to rafcon to stop Lord ed but because of a prophecy ion takes unnecessary risks and episode 15 this is very interesting it's titled morphin master the other morphin masters are angry to discover the green morphin master has broken their vow to never interfere in mortal affairs But when the Rangers and the Green Morphin Master work together, the Morphin Masters have a change of heart. That's according to TV Passport, um, that was spied on Twitter by the user TheAGames10. Uh, so are you guys excited to see some Morphin Master action? Yeah, definitely. Um,
1: I have to confess that I haven't been able to keep up with Dino Fury. I only saw the first couple episodes. Uh, but the fact that they're bringing in lore from the comics is really exciting. And the fact that they're actually doing world building in this franchise, I think is really important because it's been almost 30 years, but you get the impression that at least for some of the seasons, they were just flying by the seat of their pants.
0: Yeah. And, but I'm not sure if it's necessarily lore from the comics as much as like, you know, inspired by designs from the comics, because I don't think there's anything the Morphin Masters have done that in the show that refer directly back to the comics, the way the comics drew from the episode in which the Morphin Masters originally were shown uh, in back in MMPR and Big Sisters. Um, but I mean, something that that I'm interested to see as far as how the Morphin Masters are depicted is like how hard it must be. For the show to depict any scene involving the Morphin Masters, or especially if they're talking to each other, talking amongst each other, because they only had the two suits. They had, like, the one for the pink one and one for the men. Something like that. Um, They just had two suits, and they just used, used, you know, photography to duplicate them as they needed to. So that must have been tough to shoot. You know, if there are any scenes of them squabbling or something like that, um, my
1: impression was that they were strictly CGI. But I, I hadn't seen. Okay, no, oh, okay,
0: no, they cool. were real suits. They got them from toy. Yeah, yeah, they they had toy make them for them. Um, that was something Simon Bennett, I believe, said. But uh, yeah, the. Um, yeah, the descriptions came from Teletoon, which is where the episodes are in Canada. It's amazing. The show is on Netflix now. We're still dealing with international spoilers like this. Um, so now, moving on. If you have, if you jumped ahead to make sure you you skip spoilers, it's safe now. You can come out. It's fine. Um, there is one bit. It's not exactly Ranger news, but it's Ranger adjacent. Uh, a YouTuber uncovered the long-lost pilot presentation, I believe that's what you'd call this, of, uh, of the live-action Sailor Moon that some people called Saban Moon because of how its MO resembled something that Saban might do with something It's live-action. It is part Sailor Moon anime, part live-action Saved by the Bell stuff, but this YouTuber uh, was able to not only identify the actors who are in it, uh, but identify uh the uh, music. you know, who wrote the music, this YouTuber named Raymona, um, actually contacted the Library of Congress after doing all its detective work to figure out who made it, when, why, how and Saban actually had nothing to do with it. But Ron Wassman vaguely remembers hearing or maybe editing the music for it, uh, and Renaissance Atlantic, which is a name connected with Power Rangers by way of Bandai. Uh, commissioned the pilot, which uh, did not pan out, obviously. Uh, but a couple years later came the uh, mm-hmm. Deke Dub that everybody knows and loves, or at least knows of Sailor Moon. Um, um so have you guys uh, seen that pilot yet?
2: I've seen bits of it, mostly just the theme song and clips here and there, and I, I think it's awesome they dug this up. But uh, I'm not sure I would describe what I've seen as the most watchable
0: series. Oh, yeah, no, no, it, it's, it's very bad. Um, but it's, it's some, it's a real, like, it's interesting that it's such lost media. Like, people weren't sure how much of this actually existed. Kotaku, a couple years ago, tried to dig this up and uh, ultimately found something completely different um, in talking to the former president of Bandai America. But it's been kind of a white whale in segments of, of anime and Tokusatsu fandom and it's really interesting to, to see it um come to light. Yeah, honestly, I think what I'm most excited about with this is
2: uh like I meet Sailor Moon fans pretty often, but uh a lot of them haven't heard of this and when I describe what the project was to them, they often don't believe me or think this is some kind of fever dream. So I'm just glad to know we now have the pilot and like I can cast that on YouTube and
0: they can see for themselves yeah well there's a lot on youtube or, excuse me there's a <laughs> lot about power rangers i'd say that seems like a fever dream so you know whatever uh but anyway uh we're going to talk about toku news in a bit but first here's a word from some friends of the show my nephew, like the Power Rangers, and I did this on his birthday where he had all his friends around. They were like, Green Ranger? I said, let me show you the real Sentai. I'm going to show you the episode where Green Ranger actually dies. And they were sitting there looking. A couple of kids started crying like, no, Green Ranger can't be daddy. And the parents were like, what are you showing our kids? The Anime World Order Podcast.
2: Not suitable for
0: children because the truth hurts. Visit us online at www.animeworldorder.com. And we are back, and we just have one bit of Toku news this week, as opposed to the deluge we had last time around. Kamen Rider Zero-One is getting a comic book. For those who don't know, that show is already uh, on Blu-ray in the U.S. Uh, via Shout Factory. And the uh, the new comic is coming out in the U.S. from Titan. It is written by Brandon Easton, and uh, the art is by Henry uh, Prasetya, who has worked for Boom uh, on the Power Ranger series. So the new, uh, io9 has actually done a series of articles about the new comic, and it looks really, really, really nice. Um, Vulcan and Valkyrie are featured on the cover of one of the first issues. Uh, it is available for pre-order. The first issue comes out November 23rd. The designs look absolutely fantastic. I'm not sure if you guys have been keeping up with it, but it, the, they're just on point.
1: I mean, honestly, more comics is never a bad thing. It's such an underused medium, um, which is surprising given all the comic book movies that have been coming out, but it allows you to have great art. Great storytelling at a fraction of the cost of most movies or tv shows
0: yeah and it's great to see common Rider* uh get this kind of attention parallel to uh futopia and the blu-ray coming out and uh and kuga coming out and it's good to see this kind of energy put behind common Rider*. you know kind of It's been lacking for a while, the sort of synergy that Ultraman has in the US right now.
2: Yeah, I think my biggest uh, point of surprise with this is that of all the comic publishers to get the common writer rights, it's Titan Comics. Um, Like, one, I'm shocked that no one has really done common writer comics in America in the past. Um, but like I get the fandom isn't that big and for most of our history you've had to go to the borderline black web or sorry you had to go to the borderline dark web to find reruns of Common Rider but yeah to see Ultraman getting comic series from Marvel and then Titan who like they kind of scrape the bottom of the barrel when it comes to properties with the exception of Doctor Who and like Star Trek but like they have what IDW and Boom seemingly don't want. Like, I don't think I've ever purchased a Titan comic in my fifteen plus years of collecting comics. So, like, I'm surprised it's them. But the artwork looks cool. I'm hoping the book turns out. I'm definitely putting it on my pull list going forward. And yeah, like, I hope we get to see issues from a lot more series going forward.
0: Yeah, and uh, Io 9s James Whitbrook, who is very much one of us. Uh, if you ever follow his Twitter, he uh, did an interview with uh, Prasetya and Easton where she talked about you know, their love of the franchise, which I guess is more the case for Prasetya, who you know goes back to Kamen Rider Black. He's just a huge fanboy. Um, and Easton is new to uh, the franchise, but more familiar with like with mecha shows and that sort of thing. And he he knows a guy at Bandai, and you know that, that always helps, helps you get a leg up, knowing a guy at Bandai. Um, so there, there's a new villain in the show, Ragnarok, uh, Prasetya aimed for a mirror image of shining hopper combined, combined with a hell rising hopper, uh, and kind of, uh, did it. There's a nod in the design to Kamen Rider Eternal from double. So that's, uh, it's a really, really interesting interview. And I'm going to link it in the show notes. Uh, the other, uh, actually there's something else I didn't include this sh- in, in our internal show notes, is there is a uh, Kamen Rider Kuga manga official translation coming to the U.S., and there's also that's also via Titan. And um, and I think the timing of that is also even better because Kuga is coming out on Blu-ray soon. Um, so that's really exciting. Now, kind of pivoting from that into our big topic uh, for this week, for this episode, to say we're bi-weekly. I need to remember that. Um, so the comics are are nearing legacy 100, and I think over the past few years, the comics have had a huge impact on the way Power Rangers is talked about as a property. And ideas from the comics have uh, have filtered back. We were just talking about kind of into the show, into the uh, into the games, into the li- into the other licensed material. We don't know what's going to happen in Legacy 100. I, You know, it, it keeps getting you know, talked about, all that. Um, but I was wondering what, uh, what do you guys think about the impact that the comics have had on the property and the importance of the comics to the brand as we near this milestone.
2: Um, I think I may have mentioned this in our last episode, but I think the most important impact that the comics have is like, they're the one piece of official Ranger media that you can push people who aren't existing Power Rangers fans to these and get hope oh, they should get some enjoyment out of them since they're just good teen superhero team books at the end of the day. Like, I don't think DC has made a Teen Titans book as good as either of the mainline Power Rangers books in years. Marvel totally dropped the ball on uh, Young Avengers. Champions has been hit and miss. Uh, there are other like young Avenger-related titles, they always cancel early or don't know what to do with those characters. So then Boom comes along with Power Rangers and makes the best teen superhero book that I've read since they have started the started publishing in, like, 2016. Um, and so, yeah, just having that... <clears throat> sorry. Just having that uh, accessibility to outside fans, I'm really excited about... Um I like that we now have a platform to touch on old lore uh, that you just could not do in a TV show or at least not without recasting and getting a budget that you probably can't get a studio to justify for this show. Um, And I just love how much they're tying in to all the I love how much they're tying in across the years of Power Rangers, like having SPD and in space stuff related to the Morphin Rangers. Um, And answering questions that have always kind of lingered in fans' minds. Uh, And I think most of all, like, what really makes the comics stand out for me is their tendency to, like, they've approached the series as... They've approached the series as doing a remix of the original Power Rangers rather than a remake, and I feel like that's going to keep this series in the minds of fans for a long time, because... In the way they're doing this, like dancing between episodes while also modernizing the series, like it gives a certain level of credibility to these stories. Like, okay, you can't say something like this didn't happen in the show. And you're probably not going to make anything that overwrites this when Netflix starts pumping out their series. So like, it just finally gives the fans what they want as far as deeper lore and answers the questions that the shows just let linger all these years
1: i think tori really hit the nail on the head when uh tori was pointing out how there is this is a great jumping on point um for the power rangers uh for those who aren't power rangers fans so it, it was so difficult trying to convince my wife to like power rangers <laughs> um i showed her rpm first which she was like oh, it's it's okay um For whatever reason, In Space really clicked with her. I mean, it's a great season, but that season specifically clicked with her. Um, But the comics themselves are actually built for a more adult audience and aren't just trying to sell merchandise, although obviously they're doing that as well. They're just trying to tell the stories beneath the stories that we all grew up with. And I really appreciate that. Uh, you know the Green with Evil story arc, for example, absolutely phenomenal as it was done. They kind of just brush it under the rug in the next episode afterwards. Like nobody teases Tommy for having killed people, uh, but that's something that they do address in the comics: is that Tommy has lingering guilt that people don't necessarily trust him. These are the deeper stories we've been hoping for since nineteen ninety-three and we're finally getting them.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I, I also enjoy how the uh, how the comics use the idiosyncrasies of the show as jumpy off points, like Jetting appeared in a comic recently, or Power Rangers Universe made use of the Die Ranger suits. And other like other things, like the Morphin Masters, for example, that was just the throwaway in that one episode because they needed to explain Sentai footage. But they became characters, and that kind of got ported back into the show in terms of Morphin Masters that we, you know, saw now. Now, people did people also th- thought that Grid Connection plagiarized Shattered Grid, but apparently, according to I believe a writer at the time that was a pure coincidence. But there have been other... Like, people... Like, there always there's always fan conversation about maybe these concepts of the comics can become an animated series, and maybe that's something Hasbro wants to announce. But we know what... You know, the toy can veto something like that. But at the same time, after Shattered Grid, Kyle Higgins wrote the uh, backstory um, for... Uh, Years of the grid, and um, and a lot of the, these concepts have also appeared. A lot of these character designs have appeared in other uh licensed material like Renegades games, uh, and the and Legacy Wars, that sort of thing. And I I think that I think the Shattered Grid obviously was a huge deal, not just for fans, but I think in comics writ large. I guess. The big question is, is there a time when an arc of the comics can be as big a deal as Shattered Grid was, or was that just a unique combination of time, place, and having the absolute chutzpah to have Tommy Oliver kill Tommy Oliver?
1: Uh Gosh, doing a repeat, especially so soon after Shattered Grid, which... It was admittedly four years ago, but that's still relatively recent in, you know, the nature of comics. Try to do something to that scale again would be really difficult without seeming like it, they're just trying to always hit the Avengers level threat button. Um, that's something that the MCU, I thought, did well was, yeah, occasionally there is an Avengers level threat, but most of the threats are in, you know, a one or two hero level doing a shattered grid again or doing something to that scale you would need to build up to it you would need a proper antagonist and really they haven't had a new one since draken and you would need a reason to justify bringing in rangers from all over when time and space very much keep them separate
2: yeah um for my part i I think the comics have already been doing a great job kind of balancing this scale while also having, like, universe-level threats. Like, uh, honestly, I think the Altarian War is arguably even narratively better than Shattered Grid, but it just focuses on the original series Rangers, Um, but still, like... Elevates that scale makes you see sides of these characters you've never seen before. And yeah, just overall builds an awesome Epic story that they'd been uh, uh, building toward for like a year or two before that, I think Um, where I think they can expand on this going forward is like the issue after shattered grid immediately afterwards with uh, the beyond the grid comics was they had uh, almost 30 years of characters interacting in one space without any real kind of characterization for like the comic versions of these characters. Uh Like I feel like neither the writer nor the reader could really do justice to this many people interacting at once and like getting us to care about these characters from seasons we didn't watch. Uh, and then like be giving them interesting relationships uh, between each other. So, I think this series, the series, I think the comics need to focus more outside of just the Mighty Morphin Rangers going forward. Like at any given time, this series, uh, Power Rangers has been supporting like two ongoing books and a mini of some kind with like GoGo and Mighty Morphin or Mighty Morphin and Power Rangers with like a crossover or like the Dragon or Pink Ranger uh, miniseries. I think now that they're consolidating back to just one Mighty Morphin Power Rangers book, there should be a second dedicated book to other teams, like maybe an anthology of smaller arcs or one-off stories, but just be doing something to introduce us to characters across the years. Kind of like what they do a bit in the Power Rangers universe line, but like in a more dedicated fashion. So when it comes to a point that we want to see something like Beyond the Grid again, people actually have a reason to care about this particular incarnation of these characters. And you can build, like, another Infinity War-level threat, and it'll have the, not just narrative stakes, but, like, the character buy-in that it needs for it to hit as well as it has to.
1: Well, and also the art style in the first couple books for Beyond the Grid was pretty atrocious. Uh, it was hard to tell who was who, Uh yeah, no, you were you're absolutely right. They do need to branch out more into different seasons. I understand why they stick with Mighty Morphin, uh, but at a particular point, you have such this such a rich history of characters happen to them well.
0: Yeah, I guess that's the thing about Power Rangers is that you, you know, you have you have this big roster, but you know, if if somebody doesn't see you know, some, somebody they recognize as a Power Ranger, They're, they might not they might not, the cover they might not bat an eye. So that's the kind of challenge. Like um, I mean, there are opportunities for stories like The Psychopath or Soul of the Dragon and maybe we'll see more of those going forward. But um, I think right now I think it probably makes sense to just stick to one Power Ranger's line. Otherwise you risk burning out the writer. Um, like Ryan Parrott has, you know, until Matt Groom came along, he was like single-handedly carrying the series and now they're both leaving. And you have Melissa Flores coming in and you hope that maybe, you know, by virtue of her experience with the franchise, she has a a better sense of how to uh, more adeptly bring these new characters in, or bring these characters from later seasons in, And also at the same time, not uh, not try to do her own Shattered Grid too soon, or you know, avoid the mistakes made with Beyond the Grid, which had potential, but especially in the wake of Shattered Grid, was was kind of it had a bit of an act to follow.
1: Absolutely. But I'm confident in the skills of the writers and the skills of the artists who also the artists, I feel like are really important, because if the art in a book is great, it'll really draw you in. If it's not, it kind of takes you out of the story.
0: Yeah. And uh, you know, were lucky uh, to have had great mm-hmm. artists on this series, Dan Mora. And we have Simona DG and Feliz, who is coming back to the show to excuse me. To the comics uh, as the uh, the artist for uh, Melissa Flores's run.
2: Yeah, I have to say, like art wise, Dan Mora has been the absolute highlight of these comics so far. Like there have been runs or minis that I haven't been a huge fan of, but like Dan Mora's covers alone make me not upset that I bought these books.
0: It seems like the C suite appreciates Dan Mora's work as well if you if you pick up the renegade games or some other official material that's his art on on the cover
1: Mm -hmm. well and it's nice having a consistent look to the art as well
0: yeah yeah now how do you think going forward power readers as a brand as a property can better use and exploit some of the materials and ideas explored in the comics.
2: I think there can be an interesting back and forth. Like we've kind of alluded to the comics introducing ideas with the master, the Morphin masters, or like it feels like things are playing off of each other. I would like to see that turned up a bit. Like, um, I believe it was, in Matt grooms issues of the series that there's a few subtle references to uh Ninja steel or like just real background things. And yeah, because the timeline is all weird in these comics and we don't know when these other teams are going to take place. Let's see the mighty Morphin Rangers interact with way later on characters or uh, let's see in more concepts that are either introduced in the show and explored in the comics or like introduced in the comics and then played out more in the show. So we know these things actually care about each other's lore, uh, rather than just being like, okay, here's our cool adult comics over here. And here's the kids stuff over there that isn't like, isn't adding much to the universe, which we'll say that this current season is a major exception to that. Absolutely. Um, I'd really like to see a, a Shin Godzilla take on this
1: and, By that, I mean, show me how the governments of the world are reacting to these sorts of things. We get little bits here and there in the Boom comics of occasionally a world leader will say something out against Frida Repulsa. But, I mean, you have to think that for 30 years, aliens have been attacking Earth, and giant robots, who are completely unaccountable, are defending the Earth. You have to think the government would... At least be interested in what's going on. that's something that that admittedly is addressed in the audio drama. And I'd like to see that addressed in official media as well.
2: yeah. And like I, on that point, let's not forget that, like we've seen in the show that, like, at least the American government has gotten involved in this and no longer is. Like, we've never heard a reference to Lightspeed Rescue after that show's finale and, like, the one or two appearances in, anniver- uh, in anniversary specials. Uh, like, why isn't the government still doing Ranger teams? Like, yeah, there's a lot of interesting things to explore with that.
0: I think the, the thing is, though, like, unless the government or a quasi governmental organization you know, is running a ranger team, bringing the government as you know police, yeah, that sort of thing, into a power ranger story. You know, it introduces. I mean, obviously, everybody knows there are always police, there are always military, and it 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 raises the question of, okay, why isn't the army responding to this monster or something like that? Um, but I I think your story. I guess needs to, I guess you kind of enter, in you know, again, I guess in the kind of, you know, like Avengers territory, if pa- if the Power Rangers are like an unregulated fighting force, uh, you know, maybe that's like, but then again, you know, Marvel's done that better. Yeah, but that
1: doesn't mean Power Rangers can at least try.
0: Yeah, yeah, but it seems like something heavy to try to introduce in a power rangers uh title like i don't think
2: it would need to push the boundaries all that much like as long as it's not going as extreme as like that power rangers unauthorized or bootleg short film uh like given what we've seen and i'd say the graphic novels especially uh i don't see any reason that we can't get have see this explored or better yet like we know almost nothing about what the original team or most former Rangers do once they stop being Rangers. And like, I love to explore the headcanons of that. Like side note, I have a solid argument, I think on why it totally makes sense that Tommy would be getting into stock car racing as he's retiring as a power Ranger. But (laughs) uh, like, yeah, what, what, What's someone like Billy doing, or Jason, Adam, just all these people that, like, you see their upstanding members of their community outside of their time as rangers. So, like, wouldn't it make sense that yeah. these people would be the ones going in front of Congress, talking about, like, what needs to be in place to help these random people that seem to be selected every year to deal with the alien invasion of the week?
0: Yeah, you're right. Sometimes we don't... I mean, there are sometimes we have got a sense of what the Rangers do after, like with the core three Dino Thunder Rangers. Uh, or, you know, speaking of kind of comics leaking into the show, uh, Tommy references his his son, who's this who, JJ, who's the same kid from uh, the comics. Uh, and he's still living in the house in Reefside. We don't really get, I guess in a lot of cases, you're right, the, the sense of, of their life after, besides the fact that they occasionally turn up for team-ups. And, you know, we're still more or less And what state. are organizations
1: doing? Not just Lightspeed Rescue, but also the Silver Guardians. Right. Uh, do they just hang it up?
0: Right, exactly. Biolab, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, you, you just... Like, these, these organizations only exist when convenient, uh, or when they need and footage.
1: don't move to the next city that's being attacked.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's right. Like, um... I guess, you know, it's the fact that, like, canonically, in most cases, all these shows, all these all these fake towns are in mm-hmm. California. So, like, why are... I mean, like, Eric gave Taylor a speeding ticket once. Why? How far were they from Silver Hills? Yeah, no, I mean, but it only really matters mm-hmm. around team ups These are the
1: sorts of questions that would help build the world more fully.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, like Beast Morphers interact with RPM. That's more. That's less a, a different city, more a different universe. And you don't really know exactly how much time has passed, you know, in that world between the events of RPM and the events of Beast Morphers.
1: I mean, I think we generally believe that it's, uh, you know, the same as in real world time. And that also then helps explain why Mm -hmm. some actors, why the actors are older. uh, It's not all happening at the same time.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then there are shows that that take place in five minutes in the future, like like Mm -hmm. SPD, um, which I guess at this point (laughs) is five minutes in the future. Um, But yeah, getting back to uh, our original topic, I think the comics, I think... I think there's I think maybe the time for adapting Shattered Grid into a cartoon is maybe past. I think it might be a little late, but I think there I think you know something that the comics have opened up is like the idea that you can do anything in comics, like you can do anything in animation. And if you have actors who won't play ball or or you know have passed on, uh that doesn't mean that their characters have and I would hope that you know, someday they could work out something with toy and have an MMPR animated series or something like that, uh, and serve, you know, younger kids and, you know, have the mainline show for slightly older kids and other properties for slightly older kids.
1: I mean, the sky's really the limit when it comes to this franchise. It's just what's going to be utilized.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, what, what do you guys hope to see in issue 100? Um,
2: it's hard for me to say because the Boom comic shipment didn't come through to my local comic shop, so I don't even know what's happening in issue Oof. 99. Um, but I like, given what was hinted at with the metallic armor issue they did recently, I think we're looking at some kind of sea change in this universe to really kind of break things apart. And like allow the creative teams going forward to have much more free reign and what they want to do. Uh, I know Melissa Flores is way more on board with the idea of like, this is kind of an alternate timeline or like another universe, but it also matters like it bleeds into the show as much as it needs to. Um, and I think I think she's going to steer that in a good direction. Um, so frankly, I just want to see some kind of cool like climactic event that is going to explain that shift going forward. Or to help explain, like, my personal wish is to see something that explains the change in uh, tone going into season three or season three content. Because, like, I I think there are some fun ways you could explain why Zed is not so evil in that season. Like, because, you know, parents complained. But, like, in the comics, we've just seen that the Rangers and Zed just worked together. And, like, Zed's realized his beef with Zordon isn't what he thought it was. Um, so I think they could, if they wanted to, make some cool interest, like narrative arguments for why the tone shifted so much in that season. Or better yet, just throw that out the window and give us the explanation for why things aren't going to be as silly as they were in Season 3 of Mighty Morphin.
0: Mm, yeah. So um, I know uh, some people here have to be somewhere tonight. I'm going to cut this part out. Um, so now we're going to probably transition to uh, farewells and uh, plugs okay so uh thanks for that and uh i think with that we're going to uh call it a night so uh y'all have anything to plug uh
1: so i am going to be acting in an upcoming animated fan animated series called power rangers ancients i can't reveal the role but uh it'll be coming out hopefully soon keep an eye out
2: great um yeah, only thing, uh, let's see, there will likely be more of the Power Rangers campaign, uh, Guardian Swarm, on the Game Night Heroes podcast coming up. I voiced the Green Dragonfly Ranger on that show, so uh, keep an eye out for that in the coming weeks.
0: All right, and as always, you can find us at rangercast.net, your favorite podcast app on Twitter at rangercast, on Facebook at RangerCast podcast. And we will see you next time. Have fun at Power Morphicon, everybody. If you like what you just heard, leave us a review in Apple Podcasts. We also now accept fan feedback to be played on the show. You can record a voicemail on our website, Rangercast.net. Rangercast is distributed under a Creative Commons license. Share, it, don't sell it. Rangercast's opening theme was composed by Daniel Park. The ending theme is by Tyler Waldman. Find the latest episodes on rangercast.net or by searching RangerCast in your favorite podcast app.